you would remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. This morning, uh, we're going to be back in the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Uh, I don't know. Uh, by now, maybe your Bible's already folding open to the book of Joshua because we've been there a few weeks. But uh, when God uh, gives you a message, He gives you a message, and, and you don't abort it just because you think you've been there too long. I believe that God has something uh, to speak to us this morning. How many ready to receive that? Amen? And this morning, I want to speak about, for just a few moments, no more shame. No more shame. You see, I believe that many times that we're held captive by our past. Our past has a tendency to define us if we let it. And so this morning, I believe that we as children of God can profess over our lives that there's no more shame. Amen? Would you read with me? There are a couple of places that I want you to follow along uh, with me. And it's a lengthy passage, but stay with us. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted and their spirit was no longer in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way. After they had come out of Egypt, for all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach. Will you say that with me? This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. A couple of weeks ago, we were following the children of Israel as they crossed over the Jordan. How many remember that? And, and what a victorious celebration. We talked about the faith that it took to uh, step out into that river. We talked about them gathering 12 stones from the riverbed, which served as a testimony to the children of Israel of how God had moved and how uh, God had done uh, what seemed impossible. But here we are now as they've crossed over, and the name of that city is called Gilgal. They've already had 
one lesson in Gilgal, and that was the 12 stones. But now God has another word for them. How many knows that the word of God is powerful and it does not just contain one lesson in it? Amen? So we're going to see here that God is speaking to them and he's going to bring uh, about a powerful uh, lesson to them. And part of that lesson is that because of what God had done, because of how God had uh, allowed and caused the River Jordan to uh, flow out one direction and to rise up in a heap in the other, and Israel, two million people it's estimated, that are able to cross over that uh, river. And can I uh, tell you, I've been there, and it's an amazing sight to see. It's not a big river. It really isn't, but at this time, it was a time of harvest, and the Bible tells us that it was probably a mile wide. Two million people, men, women, children, babies, to cross over on dry ground. And as they're going across, the Lord tells them to pick up those 12 stones and to carry them. I mean, those you need to remember what God's done for you. Amen? Now, today, as they... Uh, look at this, and God tells them that because of what I have done, now the enemy is afraid. Isn't that amazing? Here is, they're crossing over into enemy territory. They're crossing over into an unknown place to them, but the Word of God and the power of God has already crossed over and the enemy uh, is afraid. Their hearts have melted, the Bible says. There's no spirit in them and they're demoralized, they're hopeless, and they're helpless. Now we think, well, that's good for them. But can I tell you that your enemy stands in the very same place? That God has already defeated the enemy. Can I get an amen this morning? That God has already made a way for you to cross over into the promises of God. And so the enemy today finds himself in a precarious predicament because God has already moved and he will do it again and again and again. And so we uh, see this powerful uh, message that God is going before them and he's telling them that I have positioned you in a place where you're going to succeed. The enemy finds himself in a place that there's no way that he will win. Now, sometimes when we live this life, it feels like we're being defeated. But the end of the game is the end of the game. Uh, and whenever it's all said and done, uh, sometimes they say, when the fat lady sings. Uh, well, we ain't got no fat lady singing today, but when it's all over with, but when it's all said and done, the Lord is on your side and you shall be victorious. There's no way the enemy is going to defeat you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's on our side. God is on your side. The Bible confirms this message to us throughout uh, from Genesis to Revelation. It tells us that no matter what weapon the enemy forms against you, it will not prosper. It will not succeed in defeating you. You cannot be defeated 
because God is on your side. The Bible tells us that for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want you to know that you have someone living inside of you who's already defeated the world and you have him living inside of you and you have God on your side. Greater is he. Can I tell you, the devil will plot, the devil will plan. The devil will design schemes, and it tells us that the wiles of the devil will not defeat us because it cannot, because God is on your side. And God will make a way of escape. He'll push back the waters, if you will, uh, and the barriers, and he'll dry up the riverbed before you so that you can walk across in victory. Let me believe that this morning. You see, God is on your side. Many times we lose sight of that. And can I tell you, this is a simple message today, but if you'll just grab a hold of it, uh, it will help you in this life to understand that you are not in this thing alone. Let me say it again. It's not all about your plans and your designs and your strength. It is about the God who lives inside of you, who will make a way where there seems to be no way. God is on your side. Look at your neighbor and tell them that this morning. God's on your side. And what is required of us? To put our trust in God Almighty. The hymn says it this way. Trust. There's no other, for there's no other way but to trust and obey. Do you believe that this morning? You see, I, I think that's awesome news. It's not about my intellect to design a plan. It's not my about my strength to carry it out. It's not about how much willpower I have. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's about Him. He's on my side. And I can walk into in, any battle. I can walk into any circumstance knowing that God is for me and not against me. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get it. It's sinking in, right? God is on my side. Now look at this. Not because of what Israel had done, not because of how they had crossed over, not because of how many people they were, but because the enemy had already seen what God was doing. And he saw a people, the enemy saw a people who were willing to step out in faith even when it seemed like it was crazy. I'm preaching this morning. Because there's times when in your own mind and in your own intellect, it will sound like this is the craziest thing that I've ever uh, thought of. Uh, that, that the Lord is telling you because it's His plan and His design and He is for you. He's not going to let you devise a plan and you get the glory. It's going to be all about Him. Look at your neighbor. Say him one, one more time. God's on my side. He's on my side. Look what happened. They stepped out in faith 
and instantly the confidence of the enemy drops. What does that tell us? Keep taking steps of faith. Keep taking steps of faith. You see, God sets this whole thing up. It's a setup. Uh, God, uh, it looks like there's no way for victory. It looks like uh, there's no way that they can possibly defeat the enemy. And he lures the enemy in and they are defeated because if God be for you, my friend, who can be against you? Do you know that God is for you? Do you understand that he is not a distant God that sits on a throne far away, absent from your life, wanting, uh, looking for you to mess up so he can throw a lightning bolt into your uh, life? No, he is for you, not against you. Somebody say to me, he is for me, not against me. He's for me. I told you it's a simple message this morning. He's for me. He's on my side. Now, let's look at one other thing. God's military strategy. And it's not like what you and I would think. You see, in our human minds, it seems that they should just run right on over to Jericho. I mean, they've walked across on dry ground. Two million people. They set up a memorial. Their enemies are already concerned and worried that they're going to be defeated because they've seen God's hand at work. And in the, uh, the, the mindset of man, we would have said, right now is the time to go when they're all fearful and when they feel like they're going to uh, fail. But God had another lesson in store for them. You see, God is all about preparation. He wants us to be prepared for what He is about to do in our life. He wanted them to understand that it was not by power and not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. You see, one of the most important things that you can ever come to understand is that it is God that fights your battle. It's not your battle. Your responsibility is to simply trust and obey. He said, before you go into battle, I want all the males to be circumcised. Circumcision was an outward sign of a covenant of God with Abraham. And this act would realign and reinstate them as children of Abraham and the promises of God would be theirs. What did God promise Abraham? That God would give him the land. How many believe that God has a place for you? He, he set your boundaries as Dr. Bally spoke about uh, last week. Number two, he said that he would make of them a great nation. How many believe that God can make a greater thing out of you than you could with your own plans and designs? Amen? And finally, he said, through the blessing of Abraham, I will bless the whole earth. Of course, we know that's through Jesus. Through that blessing of Abraham. 
And the good news for us is that you and I are a part of that Abrahamic covenant. According to Galatians 3.29, we are the offspring and the heirs of the covenant of promise through Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus earned on the cross, it is mine because I am linked with him. I am aligned with him. I am an heir of God through Christ Jesus. You realize that this morning? You see, before you go to battle, have everyone circumcised. It's symbolic of rolling away the old life. Of rolling away the reproach of your past. Let me stop right here. Everybody has a past. If we have anything in common, it is that we have a past. But we are not defined by our past. And here the Lord is saying to them, and I believe also saying to us, is that because of this covenant relationship with me, with God, that I am rolling away the shame of your past. Now, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but, uh, you know, how, how many have a, have a past that you don't really want to talk about? How many have a past that uh, you'd rather not nobody know about? How many have a past that uh, you wish you had never done the, some of the things that you've done or, or maybe some of those things were done to you and, and there's shame and there's uh, a problem with that? And the enemy brings that up in your mind. So that's where the battlefield is. And the good news for us today is that I can leave my past in the past. For that's where it belongs. The Lord said of our sin and of our shame that he would cast it as far as the east is from the west. I'm no mathematician, but that's infinite, eternal. He said, I will throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be reminded of them anymore. And so sometimes we are so in touch, hear me, with our past that we even bring it up in prayer. And if, uh, if God is ever confounded and confused, it's when you bring up something that he's already forgiven you for. He said, it's in the past. Sea of forgetfulness, far as the east is from the west. Look at your neighbor and say, my sins and my shame are in the past. There's no more shame. God says, I'm rolling them off of you. And when he rolls them off of you, you will receive a new identity. You see, it was actually unbelief that caused the previous generation to miss out on the promise. And circumcision was a renouncing of the flesh and the world and a dying to self and living for God. Eight times, go back and count them, the word circumcision is used in this passage. Nine, nine verses. Eight times. Do you think God's trying to tell us something? 
And the number eight, by the way, is symbolic of a new beginning. That's some good preaching, Pastor Brian. I've left the old, and I've been filled with the new, and I'm walking in it. He's given me a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the plans I have for you, and they are not for destruction. There are plans for your good and not for evil. There are plans for a future and a hope. Sounds like we're leaving the past and walking into the new. Closing a door on the past. And God is opening a new door to your future. And it comes through this weird symbolic act of Israel through circumcision, but yet God talks about in the New Testament of a circumcision of the heart. Getting rid of a heart of stone or a heart of flesh and replacing it with a heart that is receptive unto God and what He's doing in your life. God, circumcise our hearts. I don't want to have a heart that is stony and fleshly, but I want to have a heart that's soft and receptive to the working of the Holy Spirit. How many can say amen to that? A renouncing of the flesh, a dying to self. You see, circumcision would make them completely vulnerable and unable to fight. Think about it. But it didn't matter because of point number one. How many remember it? God is on your side. And so in the world's eyes, I may be completely vulnerable and have a crazy military strategy, but it doesn't matter because God is my shield and my protector. He is my exceeding great reward, the Bible tells me, and He is on my side. So it doesn't matter the circumstances or even if God tells me to do something that in my mind makes no sense. If I will follow Him, He'll protect me and guard me and shield me. The Bible says, trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. That's what He required of them. Trust. Easy to say, not always easy to do. Can I get an amen? But if you'll remember His word, He said, I'll never leave you. Or forsake you. I'm on your side. You see, sometimes we think about God as up there ready to strike us with a lightning bolt, but He has my best interest and your best interest in His mind because we're His children. His children. I'm a father and now a grandfather. 
and it's good. I love my kids, but whoo, some of you folks, I didn't hardly believe you that I could love uh, this grandchild like I do. But man, oh man, if an enemy came against her, with all of my power and all of my might, I would defend her. With my very life's blood, like I would have my children. That's how much God loves you. He's on your side. For you, not against you. Sometimes it feels like we're all alone. Can I get an amen? It's not truth. He said, this day. Thank you, Leanne. This day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Egypt is symbolic of the world. And it is God's desire to roll away our sin and our shame and the reproach of our past and give us a new start. Man, don't you just love a new start? A do-over. I've needed so many. That's between me and the Lord. But I've needed a whole lot of start-overs. Let me can testify to that. <laughs> right. He said, you're no longer identified as a slave to them. No longer in bondage. No longer associated with those who had no faith to enter into the promised land. No longer associated with the shame of the past. But by faith, they could see themselves as being obedient to the Lord, trusting Him, and they could stop seeing themselves as they used to be. The enemy likes to bring up your past and bring shame upon you. How do you get by that? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, too, that we're to not look back, but to look up unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He knows my beginning from my ending. He's the one calling the shots, not the enemy. He's in charge. As we'll sing later on, he's on the throne. He is God Almighty. And he gives us the power through Jesus Christ to leave our past in the past and to go forward with him. Look at this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He took our shame for us on the cross. And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And now, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're a new creature in Christ. Oh, that's good. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Can I give you a clue, a hint? The next time the devil tries to remind you of your past, you just remind him of his future. Because it's not looking good for him in the future. He's doing all he can right now because he has no future. 
he's going to be in the lake of fire because God will cast him into it. Leave our past in the past. One more thing, and we're done. You see, there is a reason why when you drive your car that you have a great big front window. This is a mindset. You have a big front window because you've got a future and a place to go to. A design of God, a plan for your life. But if you're driving down the road, and I know you're supposed to look at it occasionally. I'm not a great driver, but I'm better than that. I know occasionally you're supposed to look in the rearview mirror. But you only look in the rearview mirror to see what you've come through, what you've overcome, how God has made a way for you in the past, and, and it gives you hope for a future that he'll do it again. But if you keep looking in the past at your failures and your mistakes, you're going to have a collision, going to make a wreck out of things. Today, the message is very simple. God's on my side. Leave the past in the past and move forward in God. Move forward in God.